So I want to welcome you to kind of like end the prayer if you're praying over somebody. And if you didn't pray anybody over anybody, you're not less of a Christian. We're all growing. But I love that. I call it the murmur, the little like harsh whisper. Um, I, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's beautiful because some of you walked in here and we were really trying to gently, sometimes more gentle, not gentle, push you into the idea that this thing that God's doing is not really centered on me or even this 30-minute sermon time. It's built in you walking in intimacy with the Father and being used by Him everywhere you go. And so I consider this training ground. So learning how to pray for people is key to watching the kingdom of God come wherever you go. Because I, I guarantee you, everywhere you go at your job tomorrow, or even if you're a stay-at-home mom, them kids need some prayer. You know what I'm saying? So like, we, we need to be a people that get comfortable with praying for people. Comfortable with saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't have any special sauce, but I know a guy. And so I just want to welcome you to Cobblestone. We always just embrace the, the, these two things. Number one, the Bible, every word of it, it's true. And it's good. And I love it. And that Jesus Christ is everything the Bible has revealed to us. He's alive, he's living, and he's here. And so we are in, well, we're not even in it yet. We're starting a series called Walking in the Spirit, Walking by the Spirit, whatever that means. And already I probably have to call a time out because if you've been in Christianity long enough, you just went straight up assumption mode. Like, we're going to the third heaven. We are. No, we're not. Like, we're, we're going to talk about what does it mean practically right here, feet on the ground, to walk by the Spirit, which we are commanded to do in the Bible, all right? That's not charismatic language. That's Bible language. And we, th- this statement, walk by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, is actually one of three statements uh, that we're holding near and dear to our hearts, not even just for 2020, but for the rest of the time that I am where I am at Cobblestone, we will live by these things. Uh, we started January and we said, give God his church back. Give it back to him. And if he rules this service, more people will be free. You will be more, more in love and more will happen for the kingdom. If we go, God, what do you want to have happen? Rather than, well, let me give you 30 minutes here, 20 minutes here, one song offering out. More of like, all right, what does God want this to look like? What is he up to? We don't do work and he joins us. He's doing work right now in this room. He is. We're joining him in his work. And all day long, that's what I'm learning how to do. God is at work in Oxford. And I'm like, God, show me where you're at work so I can join in. And that means I'm in Kafinya, and I'm like, Lord, who are you working on in this room? Who's ripe? Who's ready? He's like, that one. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Right, you know what I mean? And so that's so much easier than all this striving, and we got to make this perfect, and we got to hit our timelines. Like, this is God's alive, and he wants you, all of you, and he's present in this room right now. So give God his church back. Secondly, we talked about this this whole last month uh, in February. He said, uh, be about the Father's work, or the one word, discipleship. Do the Father's work. Jesus left us with a work to do, church. So I hope you like the coffee. I hope you enjoy your time this morning. I hope your little tush is comfortable. Uh, But at the end of the day, if we are not forming people that are in love with Jesus and making more people that are in love with Jesus and look like Jesus, it doesn't matter what we're doing. So you could invite all your friends and be like, greatest experience ever. This guy got up, he had ADD. I don't even know what he said, but it was fun. That, what, what would be the point of that? But if we actually connect our hearts to the Lord and then we intentionally go and make disciples and teach them to obey all that the Father has taught us, like we're, then we are doing what we've been told to do. And if we're not doing that, then it doesn't matter what we're doing. So we can have great programs. We can have a good old, good old time. But if people really aren't looking like Jesus, then we have some good hard things to be looking into. Why are we doing what we're doing? And so walking by the Spirit Walk by the Spirit is the third of those three statements. And really what it is, is it's a posture of submission. 
The only way I know how to walk by the Spirit is willing to say, God, I'll go wherever you prompt me to go right now. God, I'll speak whatever you bring to mind right now. God, I will go, do, be wherever you want me to go, do, and be. Which means it's a lot of like, do you, can I go, should I go here? Do you want this? Op- open-handed with my life, with my money, with my time. And it messes, it, this is messing with my life right now in every way possible. And it's all good. It's not bad. When God messes with your life, it's because he's trying to free you. And I think it's going to take three things, and we'll talk about these at the end, but I wanted to give them up to you up front. Uh, I think it's going to take three things. Number one, waiting for Jesus-given priorities. So you all are passionate, and we talk about this all the time. I love you guys, because you'll come to me all the time, like, why aren't we doing a basket-weaving ministry? And I feel the angst. I do. And I love the basket-weavers of America. I, I bless them. Um, but what we're waiting for and what walking by the Spirit looks like is a, a waiting for Jesus to really birth things in this place. And him by his Spirit to tap one of you maybe with an idea to reach the poor sections of this community. Uh, uh, God to so breathe an idea from heaven into one of you students that Miami is forever changed. And you go, that's a big idea. Well, that's how big God is, is it not? So we wanna wait for Jesus to go, do that. And if you notice anything, there's a, there's a trend in American Christianity. We create ministries for everybody and their mama. And I mean everybody. So the two and a half year olds get a VeggieTales ministry and the 17 year olds get a snowboard ministry. And like, you know what I mean? Like we just build, we build 1,800 ministries and we spread ourselves out real thin and we have no real depth because we're not willing to wait So if you want to walk by the Spirit, get really comfortable with the thing we hate, waiting. I will not move. I will not go. I will not strive. Show me what you want me to do. Things built by God last. They just do. And they work better, and there's infinitely more fruit. Two, submit regularly. I would say every morning and every evening and every time in between. Submit. God, what do you, am I on your path? Do you still want me spending my money here? How should I spend my day? I wanna go here, is that okay? That's relationship language, that's not willpower language. That's Father, I love you and I wanna be with you and anything that would not love you or be with you, take it away. That's submission language. That's, I do that with my wife, why wouldn't I do that with God? Babe, is there anything you need me to do today? You ever, husbands, if you're not asking your wife that, you're just setting yourself up for trouble. Right? Ask her, is there anything I can do to make your day easier? And you're like, well, then she's going to tell me stuff. Yeah. Yes, she is. And, and so in the same way, Father, is there anything you want me to do today? Is there anything you want me to be about your business and not so caught up in mine? And don't just think like, oh, I got to go burn my, jo- my house down and leave for India. No, like, this is, this is like in the middle of your lunch hour. Lord, is there anything you want me to be doing right now? And let's just say, since I believe this can happen, a picture of your boss flashes into your mind. And you're like, what? But then you remember, your boss just got a cancer diagnosis. Could it be that if we were to live open, all right, Lord, is there anything you want me to do? Picture the boss flashes in my, oh my gosh, he's got cancer. What should we do? Hmm. What are we armed with? At least the ability to approach with some boldness and humility and be like, I don't know what this is about. Can I pray for you? He might say no. You know what you say? Okay. No, you say, no, we're praying for you. That's not, don't do that. Like, it's okay. We're all learning how to submit to the Lord and do what he asks. And so if that's gonna happen, then we're gonna need to pray and then we're gonna to need to fast, and then we're gonna to need to repeat. Pray fast, repeat. Pray fast, repeat. Pray fast, repeat. Uh, let me ask just, and this is not just anybody, anybody regularly fast in here? Like, I know you're not supposed to, now you're like, you're not taking my reward. Uh, whatever, like anybody regularly fast in this room? All the fasters, I just, like three of you, I just saw go like this, because you're like, I don't wanna be that guy. Whatever. I used to hate fasting, hated it. I was angry, hangry, hateful person. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm not even focused on God. I'm just pissed that I'm not eating. My bad. Uh, I'm just mad. I'm just mad 
that I'm not eating. So I'm not reading the word and I'm not getting close to God. I'm just like, when can I eat, right? And But that, that's all changed in probably the last year where it's like, I'll gladly give all things if I give you, if I get you. And that's the heart of this is that I wanna regularly pray. I wanna, I wanna regularly talk to God. I wanna regularly pour my heart and my soul and all that I am out before him and I wanna break any holds of anything else on my heart, which is what fasting does. And then I want to repeat that as much as I can, as much as I can. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in three spots today. We're going to be in Galatians 5, John 16, and Ephesians 5. And you're like, which one should I start with? Well, start with Galatians 5. If you need a Bible, they're along the wall. When we talk about being led by or walking by the Spirit, that's really kind of in the DNA of Cobblestone, or at least in my life, and I've been yelling at that, you being, we, we want to be a church that's two things. We want to be led by the Spirit. And when we taught by the word, the cool thing is the word tells you to be led by the spirit and the spirit tells you to be taught by the word. What? There's no tension. There's no tension. To be a biblical Christian is to be led by the spirit of God. To be led by the spirit of God is to love the word of God. Did you hear me? Just to ease any fears in the room that I've just gone full whatever I've gone and so practically as possible, what humans tend to do, though, is we tend to vacillate, like, we go way back and forth between poles. We, if this is a pendulum, we love our extreme. I can't even. We love our extremes, right? So some of us emphatically would be like, I'm a Bible guy. I am too. I love the Word of God. But if you don't read the Word of God with an open eye and the, the Spirit of God, it won't do anything. But you know what? I'm also a Spirit of God guy. Because the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God, and the Word of God tells me that I need the Spirit for the power of God and the love of God. So it's just like this constant, like, I'm not even going back and forth anymore. I'm just standing in the middle going, both these things are amazing. They're amazing. And so normally what we do is we like to pick or choose. Don't pick or choose. Do both. Don't pick or choose. Do both. And I would venture to guess if you're doing one or the other, you're off balance. You're either really weird or really dry. And I love you. But... And what, we, what happens is there's normal ruts that we build into our lives. I picture it like a cart. Like if you pulled a cart along like dry ground, not even dry ground, grassy ground every day, back and forth, back and forth, you get some ruts, right? This is a great picture of us in our lives. We build these rhythms, we build these systems, we build these things and these, these ways that we think, and they become ruts. And so for me, my rut is theological understanding over emotion, over anything else. And so that became like, that's, I'm just stuck in this rut. And as I've started to submit to walking by the Spirit, he pulls me out of my rut, and he's like, you can actually do both, Andrew. But what I find is that I constantly, I fall back into that rut because it's comfortable and it's safe and I know it and I can control it. But God's like, come on out, the water's fine. So I'm telling you, come on out, the water's fine. And I think it's a great example. I actually heard this once in a, a theology professor. He is actually talking about the sovereignty of God and, and human responsibility. And he painted this picture of like pedals on a bike. So like, if you push one pedal, God's sovereignty, right? God's sovereign. But you don't actually push the other pe pedal of like, you have some human responsibility in there. The bike gets kind of like, try to ride a bike with one pedal. That's what it, I mean, not, that's exaggerated, but you got it, right? And so if I would say there's these two pedals, I feel called to this burden to push both. And I actually feel even a bigger burden right now to focus on pneumatology. You're like, ooh, big words. The study of the spirit. Because I feel like I'm comfortable pushing the word pedal all day long with you. And I have, and we will. And if you ever feel like today I go anywhere other than the word, you can call me out. Right? So we're pushing that pedal. But sometimes we, we get a little fearful of pushing the spirit pedal, and we'll go like. Right? So let's pedal the bike like God designed it. Let's pedal both those things and learn how to do it. And so Romans 8, 14, I didn't tell you to go there, but it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
So if we just take scripture for what it says, what does that say? If you are a son of God or daughter of God, child of God, you are to be led by what? The Spirit of God? What? The Spirit of God is to be leading us. So I said this at Equip Night last, whenever that was, it would behoove us, which is just a fun word, behoove. It would behoove us. It would benefit us. It, we must learn then what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. We have to. Now, I've talked about the Spirit a lot. I've heard that feedback. And I know some of you, even in your minds, you're like, whew, you did a gifted series about gifts of the Spirit. You did a series called The Practicing the Presence. You did all this stuff. And I'm just, I, I know. What this is about is the practical level. Like every day when you're at home and your husband says that inf- stupid thing to you and you feel that thing rise in you, how, do you, how are you led in the Spirit right then? That's when all this stuff matters. When temptation hits you, young college guy, how are we to be led by the Spirit of God when we're just inundated with with temptation? How do we do that? I think it matters. And and this is what I'm going to say to you. I want to talk about it on a practical level, and I want to talk it on this is I want to talk about it on an experiential level. Now, here's what I know: fundamentalists hate the word experiential. You hate it. It's scary. It's a no-no. Here's what I also know. Um, if I shove my tongue into an electric socket, what will happen to me? I don't know, but let's try, right? Let's see what happens. So here's biblical truth. We believe that a man who was God, fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life, and that he died for my sins. He actually took my sins on the cross and pierced his hands and pierced my sin and clung it to the cross. He died and was dead for three days. I was dead with him. And then he rose from the dead and is alive today at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. And before he went, he said, guess what? I'm going to give you a power source. I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you the very spirit of God inside of you, which would very much be like sticking my tongue in an electric socket right? God is in me. So if God is in you, biblical fact, not charismatic, God is in you, why do I see so little Christ in so many Christians? It's because we're afraid of the Holy Spirit, and we've been taught to be, but he is not to be feared. And so I want you, I'll I'll say it I don't want you to experience manifestations or giftings or anything weird. I want you to experience God. Did you hear what I said? I want you to experience God. And we're going to give God his rightful place in this church. And so I'll I'll quote an old guy who maybe makes you feel comfortable. A.W. Tozer. Anybody know Tozer? Go read Tozer, man. Woo. Woo. A church without the Spirit is as helpless as Israel might have been in the wilderness if the fiery cloud had deserted them. The Holy Spirit is our cloud by day and our fire by night. Without him, we only wander aimlessly about the desert. And if Tozer can say it, I feel pretty comfortable saying it. And so before we get to Galatians 5, what time is it? Yeah, okay. I think we need to do some baseline setup, right? So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we usually talk about it just like that. The Holy Spirit, like that. Like it's an impersonal force, that it's out there. So whenever I talk about the Holy Spirit, I make a really clear distinction these days that this is God the Spirit. Because he's three in one. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the, the Spirit, right? Now, if you're anything like me, I was raised at OBF. I was raised in what I would call conservative fundamentalism. I went to Moody Bible Institute. They taught me the doctrines and the tenets of the faith, Right? They also taught me to be a little timid of those people that talk about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, and I'm coming to this, why? If it's God and it's in the Bible, why are we afraid? And I think, I think I, I, think I figured it out. I think one of the greatest things the enemy, Satan, the devil, has ever done 
is he convinced us that the greatest gift that we've ever been given is dangerous and should be feared. So let's just say, let's just say I am a miracle worker and I figured out a way that I can give to each of my kids, Abe, Joel, Noah, and Grace, a copy of me that will be with them wherever they go. And not only will I tell, my copy will tell them and guide them and lead them and bless them and be like, I love you so much. Like everywhere, this is what that copy of me does. It will give them my strength, which is so much, right? Uh, it, It will give them my strength. It will give them abilities. They'll be able to do what I can do and they couldn't do on their own. So like when they're trying to pick up a box in the back storage room, I'll pick it up for them. Except my kids... They don't take the gift for what it is. They just go, I'm so glad that I got it. I'm so glad that I'm sealed with that gift. But they don't ever use any of the benefits of it, right? And that's just a small little picture that we have this, this Holy Spirit who is God, and he has personhood. So you have to, that's baseline you gotta understand. So that means you can grieve him. If you can grieve the Holy Spirit, it means he's a person. If I can grieve you, it means you're a person, you have emotions. It means I can do things you would not like and you'd be like, get out my face with that, right? If I can quench you, that means I have a choice as well. And I do think there's a choice today for some of us. And so John 7, 37, this is still building up the baseline. On the last day, this is Jesus talking. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this, this he said about the Spirit, whom those whom he believed in were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So is Jesus glorified right now? Hmm. So there's one parameter. Uh, it's not yet been given, but when I am glorified, I'm going to give it to all those who were to receive. Now, this is he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him. Do you believe in Jesus? So Jesus is glorified. So what do we have? We do. That's exciting. But what I'll notice that if I was to ask you, do you feel like there's just like streams of living water pouring out of you? Because that's the picture. It's not a drop. It's not like boop. It's like a constant, like I'm connected to God and he's flowing out of me. Do you feel like that? Because for a long time, I did not feel like that. Because I relegated the Holy Spirit to the weird uncle at the Christmas party that you don't really want there. Right? You know that guy? We treat the Holy Spirit like that. And then in Ephesians 1.13, it says, In him you, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Anybody in here that's a Christian and that is in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. 100%. At the moment you believed and heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed, you were indwelt, is what theologians would say. He came in, he made it his home. You are a living temple of the holy God. That's good news. That's good news. That means you're sealed, which means when the enemies and the principalities and all of heaven looks at you, there's like this stamp on your soul. That one's mine. On top of that, you've all probably been convicted in your life, right? You did something, you said shucky darn instead of shoopy doopy, I don't, whatever, and you felt that conviction rise. Who was that? Holy Spirit. So we have, we know that it's there, we know he is there, but is, could it be that there's, there's some more? And so Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18, I told you to go there, let's study the Bible. Galatians 5, 16 to 18, John 16, 13, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. Is that my phone or your phone? What did it want to know? Okay, cool. All right, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So there's some amazingly cool things in there. 
right? Amazingly cool things in there. So we have some commands. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit. So if you picture a person walking, how the heck are we supposed to walk by an unseen Spirit? How do we do that? That's a great question. If you're asking that question, thank you. You're thinking biblically now. How do I walk by the Spirit? He also makes something, and this is why I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, because at a deep level, I have so many young people come to me, and they are bound up, tied up, and not free in God. You know why? Because they're not walking by the Spirit, they're walking by the flesh. But we actually have promises right here. If we walk by the Spirit, what will happen? We will be not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we all know what the desires of the flesh are, right? I mean, this is the things your parents warn you about if they were Christian parents. Don't drink, don't smoke, and don't date people who do, right? My mama says that. Maybe your mom's different than mine. Right, so don't, don't cuss and, you know, like, avoid these sins and watch how you think. And, you know, like, we know all the things of the flesh, but if we walk by the Spirit, we actually have power from God not to give into, not to please, not to live for our flesh, but to live for God. So there's some kind of freedom that I, I would desire for you all. I desire it so much that, that I'm willing for some of you to be mad at me that I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's not because I want all the crazy stuff, it's because I want freedom for you. I'm tired of young men coming into my office and telling me they can't stop looking at things they're looking at because they've had Christian leaders their whole life tell them willpower it. And I'm like, don't willpower it, spirit power it. And so if we don't learn this, we are dooming a generation to do the same things we did, men. And so if we walk by the Spirit, we don't gratify the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, interesting thing, we're not going to go there, but in, in verse 25 of the same chapter, he actually says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with him. So he's going to credit the entire salvation of everybody in this room to what? The Holy Spirit. If we live, if we're alive, if we've been made dead spiritually to alive spiritually by the Spirit of God, let's, let's keep up with him. Let's walk with him. So if we have this picture of walking by and if you break it down and you really start studying it, it is literally by the effort in the power, in almost, I don't want to do a cane because I feel like too many people equate Christianity with a crutch, but that's the picture. I have an extra leg that I lean on, that I walk with, that I am empowered by, that I step by, and it's not seven steps. You still with me? It's, yes, Lord. Okay, yes, God. All right, yes, Lord. It's step, it's, if walking by is every step. Every step. It's not at the end of the day we take inventory of, well, where did I send today? Boy, it's every moment surrendering, going, I feel you, Lord. I don't want to give in to that. What do you want me to do about that? Treating God like you're in a relationship with him, that his spirit is in you, and that he does lead you. So you ever have that moment where you know the flesh is calling your name? And everybody in the room's like, sure do, <laughs> uh, right? And I don't care what age group you're in or what bracket you're in. You know what it feels like. That I, I, I'm married, so I know what it feels like when Anna says something to me with a tone that I don't think I deserve. Can I get a name, man? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> and it's something, and most of the time it's not even because she's used a tone. It's just because she's tired too, and I'm tired, and she says something just like, will you take the trash out? Just like that. And then I feel this like, it's like, that starts right here? And it's like... You take the trash out. <laughs> or I just won't do it. Just to watch. But that's me, right? That's my flesh. My flesh being like, if I just sit here and stare at the trash can, how long will it take for her to lose her temper so then I can blame her for being angry and I didn't do it? So you're like, is that the flesh? That's the flesh. And, but most of the time we're not even aware. And I think one of the first things of being walking by the Spirit is becoming aware and asking God to make us aware. God, make me aware of when my flesh is calling. Because most of the time, we're just, we're just caught in the stream of our life and our day and our thoughts and our desires, and we're not even stopping long enough to go, wait, that's not from God. So when I get infuriated with a brother in Christ because he said something, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm gonna set him straight. 
It's the Spirit of God going, don't do that. That's me right then in that moment recognizing that's not from the Lord. Turning to God and going, God, what's your heart? Go hug him. Right? So then we have choices to make. So walk by the Spirit. And then he says, if you are led by the Spirit. Now, I don't know how you are led, but if I was to lead you anywhere, I'd probably grab you by the hand and be like, let's go. Like, right? If you ever led somebody, and if we are to be led by the Spirit, it means we don't lead him, he leads us. He leads us. Now, we're going to talk way more practically next week about, hey, how does that happen? And I know some of you will be uncomfortable with it, but God speaks, God leads, God, God can lead you. And I think, once again, it would behoove us, behooving, to learn how. Because most of us, we're like, yeah, I'm Jesus's. And yeah, he's with me. We have no expectation of him leading. But if he's the living God and his spirit's inside of me, I want every moment of my day to be like, just willing for that little whisper, go here. Say this. Be with me here. I want that. I want to walk in life with him. So walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. John 16, 13. Go there. So if the Holy Spirit enables us not to give in to the flesh and to defeat sin, that's a good thing. That's not in the weird category, right? And so what I'm trying to do for you all is normalize the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. It's not all the stuff that came to your mind when I was like, let's walk and step with the Spirit, and you all went into like weird land. It's killing sin. It's honoring God in my marriage. It's saying no to temptation under the power of God and not in the power of my own willpower, which just turns inward all the same. John 16, 13 tells us some exhilarating things about God and why he gave us his spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, and he has come because Jesus is glorified and we've heard his good news and he's indwelled us, he will guide you into all the truth. Now this is interesting, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So what's the just like beautiful thing we just learned about the Holy Spirit? He can do what? Speak. You ever heard that? Does that make you feel nervous? Two years ago, that made me feel really nervous. Have you ever met somebody that said the Holy Spirit told me to tell you and you were like, he did not. He did not tell you that, right? You ever, right? But that's experience. That's an experience I had that doesn't form my theology. The Bible does. The Bible just said, when the spirit of truth comes, and we've already declared the truth, the spirit of truth has come. He's in you. And what he's going to do is he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into the Father's heart. He's going to guide you into revelation and wisdom of who God is and all truth. And he's not going to speak willy-nilly or under his own authority. He's going to speak whatever he hears. So he hears the Father. He hears our Lord and Savior. And then he speaks to our hearts. So once again, it, it would behoove us then to learn what's that sound like? To be tuned in. Are you speaking? Now, if I did a poll right now, I'm thinking we would be like 50-50 if I was like, who in here has heard the Lord speak? Half of you would be like, yeah! And the other half would be like, here's the thing. If you haven't, you're not a less Christian. You're not missing the Holy Spirit. You're not like a secondary class Christian. You just need to start tuning. Like, ask the Lord. Lead me. Speak and learn. And when I look at this, like, the Holy Spirit doing this means he's going to guide me. Like, the number one way I guide my kids, and this makes sense, I speak to them, right? If I never speak to my kids, it's going to be really hard to tell them to get off the roof. If I never speak to Noah, he'll never know that regardless if he's a rageful little monster, uh, I, that I love him. My kids would not know so many things if I never spoke to them. And so here's what I'll say. 
because I know some of you, are, you're, you're, you're playing the tension again. You're playing the tension between the word and the spirit in your mind right now. You're like, this is troublesome areas. Anything the Holy Spirit speaks, it will never be out of line with this, ever. This is the heart of God on paper. This is God's revealed will and ways on paper. But if this revealed ways and will of God on paper says that the Holy Spirit's going to speak, then I'm okay to say that he speaks, right? And if you're like, I don't like that part of the Bible, well, I didn't write it. So we're Bible people. We're Bible people, not emotional people, not experiential people, even though I want to experience God. We're Bible people. And the Bible says I should expect the Lord to speak. And then the third one, which will stretch some of you, is Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, which is my life verse. So if you want to go to Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, go there really quick. And you're like, well, this is your life verse. So pre-Jesus or BC Jesus, I like to drink a lot. I would go to Kroger back in the day when it was the old Kroger, and I had big baggy Tommy Hilfiger jeans on, and I would steal big old things of vodka. I'd put them down my pants and then put my belt loop and walk out, and I'd drink it all, right? And you're like, wow, you were a heathen. I was. So when I first met Jesus, the number one thing you'd hear come out of my mouth, Jesus is better than drugs. Jesus is better than anything. Anything. Hands down, Jesus beats it. And so the very first verse I stumbled across was this verse, and I memorized it. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And I was like, well, that's an interesting life verse. That's my life verse. And for the longest time, that's where I stopped in this verse as if that was the summary of God's will and intention for my life. Don't get drunk. Got it, God. Right? God's pleased with me now. But there's a but in this, right? A B-U-T. And it's a great one. And for my whole life, I've carried this verse around, and only recently am I starting to realize there's some beautiful things in it. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Debauchery is just a lifestyle and a heart that leads away from God. But, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I'll do it in reverse. The evidence that you are filled with the Spirit of God is two things as far as I can tell from this verse. Number one, you submit to other people. I thought it was dancing and tongues and crazy stuff. No, it's looking at my other brother and going, I set myself before you and I submit to you. Human flesh doesn't do that. The spirit of God does though. It's a, it's a spirit of honor and love and sacrifice and I'll put you before me, you go first. What do you need? That's the spirit of God because it's a heart of love and service. Secondly, you see that there will be addressing one, apparently when we came in this morning, we were to address each other in song. It would have been more appropriate if I was singing psalms to you, and I'm not even gonna pretend what that would look like, because it would be dying sea cow bad singing, but like, woo! You know what a sea, manatee, you know what that is? Sea cow, okay, cool. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, I'll lean on that. Do you find that you are naturally like just bubbling over with joy and love and song and praise to God? I, I, I will say I see this in my wife. I, I don't find a day that I walk in my house where she's not in the basement doing laundry or upstairs in our bedroom and I can hear her singing. And she does, probably would hate that I'm telling you this. But, and I'm like, she really loves the Lord. Praise God. And then it encourages my heart because I'm like, I want to love and then I'm worshiping. And then before long, I hear Noah come by, and he's like, you're worthy of it all. And I'm like, it's catching. I mean, like, right? So this is the joy of the Lord. This is the songs of God. This is what God's people should be doing. And this is the Spirit's doing. This isn't like, oh, I got to work this up to sing a song. Give me a spiritual song. No, it's just, it's what happens when you're in a relationship with God. So it, do not get drunk on wine. So number one, If you're getting drunk on the weekends, stop. Do not get drunk on wine. But here's what I I know about getting drunk. Does it take one drink? 
all the people that drink, they're like, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't even know what I did. <laughs> right, I, I have a little experience. Maybe some of you all have experienced BC days, maybe even right now days. Uh, it takes more than one drink to get drunk. And if you get into the Greek, and we're not going to do that today, when it says, but be filled with the Spirit, the language of that is continually be drinking, continually be filling, be continually coming back to the source. So I'm a very leaky Christian. Are you? But I know where the source is. So I am commanded to not drink alcohol or drink the things of the world that will lead me away from God. I am told to drink deeply and come and be filled again and again and again and again and again. And some of you are like, well, this is like a really close line to like baptism. Second, That's what I'm talking about. You have the Holy Spirit. He's in you. But I, I do believe the Bible teaches, Ephesians 5.18, my life verse, that I am command, like I should want God to fill me afresh and fill me anew and make me full of his love and show me his ways and that I can come to him in good faith and ask for that, biblically. That's not, once again, that's Bible language. Do not do this, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, we're gonna talk about how to hear the voice of the Lord. We're gonna talk about how to be led by God. What does that look like? I mean, down to like, well, is it this picture that entered my, how would I know? How to test things. We're gonna talk about that next week, but I just wanna end in two things. Kind of some personal application for you for this week. And then a challenge. And so number one, when we talk about being a church that's filled with the Spirit of God, being a church that's led by God, we have to start with personal holiness you're like, well, that's a shock. Some of you, you are crying out for God to fill you, lead you, use you, and you are, you're constantly giving yourself to things that he died to free you from. God doesn't cohabitate. He's not into that. God's into, I want all of you. I, I want to free you from all the lesser lovers of your life, and in freeing you, that's not taking, that's giving you life. And so when we talk about personal holiness, the Psalms are full of like, give me, who can, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. So if you want to start walking in the life that God designed you for, you got to start asking, all right, where are my hands dirty and where's my heart not pure? And here's the thing, you can't clean either of those. Did you hear me? So if you're feeling weight right now of like, I know I shouldn't be drinking that. I know I shouldn't be sleeping with them. Your goal this week is not like, let me fix that. Your goal is to sit yourself before a holy God and go, here's my heart. It is wicked. Heal it. Make it new. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you want to read a book from a guy who's smarter than me, he wrote a book, book called Joy Unspeakable. It's old. It's got like 70s graphics on the front. I love everything about it. He said, it's dangerous to have power unless the heart is right. And we have no right to expect that the Spirit will give us the power unless he can trust us with it. To some of you, you're begging God to do this or fill you or use you in this way or heal people, and you know what he's saying? It would ruin you if I gave you that. It would destroy you because you'd use it on you and then end up in judgment. So the first step is clean the house. Clean the heart, clean the hands, so that when he gives you the, that, his heart, when he gives you his spirit, when he gives you that power, when he gives you whatever he wants to dump on your life, you use it for one person's glory, his. Hebrews 12 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you want to see God in your life, what does it just say? Strive for Holiness. Jesus died to make you holy. I'm more interested in your holiness than I am in manifestations of the Spirit. I'm more interested in God owning every part of your heart and you walking with him in freedom than I am in anything that you can accuse me of. I want you to be holy like his holy so you see the Lord. And in seeing the Lord, I promise you, you won't want anything else. He's better. He's better than any drug I've done any relationship I've ever been in, God's better. So personal holiness, strive for it, ask for it, and then two, I just want to give you permission to turn your personal hunger dial all the way up 
to like, if the knob goes up to 10, turn your personal hunger for God up to 12, rip the knob off. Throw it away. If I followed you around this week, would I say, that man, that woman is hungry for God? Would I? Or I'd be like, they really like Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Personal hunger. So like, where's the generation that cries out, I want the Lord? And then they pursue him, even if they find him. Have you ever found yourself in your quiet time, you're like, God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't know if, I don't even feel you. I don't even feel like my prayer, but I'm here. That's the heart right there. The one that says, I want the Lord and I will sit here until I find him. I won't eat again until he touches me. I want God. So turn your hunger up, church. There's a promise in the Bible. It says that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. It's in Hebrews. Hebrews 11? I feel like that's right, so cool. Pursue the Lord. Hunger for the Lord. Run after Jesus. Find God. He is the one your soul will be satisfied by. Nothing else will. And, then, and yet we know that. You know that. Like, I, I don't feel like that's a new revelation to anybody in this room. You should pursue. Like, you're like, why don't you? So here's what I know about pursuits. Sometimes you have to lay down other pursuits to pursue a better thing. And if God is the better thing and you feel that in your heart, what are you going to lay down this week that you might find him? So some of you, you're like, well, I just don't ever have any time. Well, and I know you're going to hate what I'm about to say. Get up at 5.30. Get up at 5.30 and drink from the well that is our Lord. I don't care if I'm dog tired. I'll spend the rest of my life finding him. So good. And he has so much pleasure for you. Did you hear me? The Father has so much pleasure for you. And so if you feel like you've been missing out on anything I've been talking about, you're like, I don't know the Spirit. I don't know this guy. I don't know if you're in here. And you're like, I don't even know if I can trust this guy anymore. You talk about the Holy Spirit too much. Whatever. God loves you so much. And he wants you to know him more than you actually want to know him. Like he wants you more than you want him. And he's waiting. So I have, the challenge I have for you, uh, it, well, it's the three things we started with, but I want to challenge you to do a thing with me this week. And you're going to have to pray and lean in and submit to the Lord, but I want you to fast and pray this week. I want you to fast and pray for next Sunday. You're like, what's going to happen next Sunday? I don't know. But I know that when a people come together in unity and they purposely set aside all other things and they go, God, we want to meet with you and we want to encounter you and we want you to visit us, those are like, I think he hears those cries. And so if you're like, well, I can't fast because of blood sugar or anything, there's certainly things you can fast. So be wise. I'm not asking you to hurt yourself. I'm asking you to set aside your heart and your time this whole week in passionate pursuit of God. And if you're like, I don't know how to do that, find other people in this room and pursue God this week together. And here's what, I, what, what I'm really thinking is if we all do this, we're fasting. I'm going to fast at least five days this week from food. And I'm going to beg God to do one thing show up in so much power and presence next Sunday that it forever marks this church. That affects you. You can talk before you leave. And if we all do that and we turn our expectation up, I don't know, maybe God will do nothing. Maybe you'll just all come in here and feel an amazing amount of peace. I'll take it. Maybe he rips the ceiling off and Oxford's forever changed. I'll take that too. Whatever God wants to do, it's his church. But it's going to start with hearts that are hungry, pursuing, and putting to death all other hungers except the one for him. So if you need help, if you're like, I don't know how to fast, what do I do? Do I just not eat? That, yeah. But if you need help, you're like, well, what, what could it look like? What, what should I pray? Come and talk to an elder. Come and talk to me. Come talk to prayer teams. Because here's how we're going to end today. I know some of you, you're like, you're hungry for it. The only way I know to pursue to be filled with the Spirit or to walk by the Spirit or to be any of the things that we talked about today, to be people that do this, is to ask. 
just like other commands in the Bible. You physically don't have the ability to fill yourself. You know that, right? The only thing you have the ability is to position yourself under the faucet. That's how I like to say it. So if God's in heaven, he's got the faucet, you just sit underneath it and go, God, please, yeah, come on, yeah. And then when, when the moment comes, you're in the right position to receive. That's a heart that I think God blesses. And so I'm going to invite the uh, band. I told them, Ca-ca! <laughs> I told them that would be the sign and they should come back up here. <laughs> and they were like, you're going to do a talk on the Holy Spirit and then you're going to go, Ca-ca! <laughs> That's all it was, a dumb sign for the band to come up. I want to sit you before God and I want you to search your heart and I want you to listen to him this week. And if he says get up at 5.30, I would get up at 5.30. If he says don't eat lunch every day but spend time walking with me, that's an invitation from God to know him. And if he says, hey, get with your kids every night and bow before the Lord and pray, get with your kids every night and pray. Don't think flamboyant big things. It, it might be crazy stuff, but if you feel like you got something crazy from God, please come. I'll be your wise counsel. We'll test that together. So if you're like, I feel like God's telling me to, to kill my dog on an altar and burn my house down, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk like before that happens, right? None of this is like, hey, go do stupid, silly stuff. All of this is walk in relationship with God, in the word of God, informed by the spirit of God. Let's walk this thing out how it's supposed to be. Jesus, I sit your people before you. I thank you for your word, that every, every word of it is true. As we talk about being led by and walking by your spirit, ultimately, Lord, this is your church, and you love her more than I do. I pray for each individual person, because I know we're probably all over the map on this one, that right now, because you're a gentle father who corrects their kids, leads their kid, his kids, would you gently speak right now? Would you tell them what to fast? Show them, Lord, even the steps, the step-by-steps for this week. Stay right there in prayer. I want to invite the prayer teams up. So if you're on prayer, you can come up here. And if you need prayer at any point in time, maybe you're like, I want to, I want to be filled. They'll pray that over you. If you have healing needs, they'll pray that over you. If you have you know, financial trouble, they'll pray for you over there. Anything and everything. If you have prayer needs, please don't leave without them praying for you. I trust them to lead you to Jesus and pray his goodness over you, all right? They're not special. They just know him. So I'm going to leave you right there, and the band's going to sing, but this is the official, like, if you need to go, if you got to go get kids, go get kids, respond how God's asking you to respond. And some of you, you're feeling this, like, I got to get before God and ask him to forgive me. Well, come and kneel. I, this isn't ours. God's at work right now in this room. But Jesus, I bless all of them in your name, that you are with them and in them and that the Spirit of Christ would rise up in them. That you would teach us, Lord, how to be led by your Spirit and taught by your Word.